Grab a seat, grab your Bible. If you do not have a Bible, lift up your hand and uh, we will give you one. So if you do not have a Bible, lift up your hand and we'll get one to you. How's everybody doing this morning? Oh, come on, people. You got to wake up. How's everybody doing this morning? Man, we have some guests up in this place and I want them to know right from the beginning that you all are out of control. Okay, so uh, we, uh, we're, man, this is, uh, this is an exciting time of the year, the first of the year. It is a, um, uh, amazing that we have endured as a city this Arctic blast. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, it's been something else. I've actually enjoyed it. Raise your hand if you grew up in a place in the country where it is much colder for like months. Okay, yeah. And so you, we lived in Iowa for two years. And so, you know, it gets to be like 50 here and people start breaking out like they're, you know, mink coats or, you know, scarves and all that mess. But anyway, so I, I'm, I am glad that you're here. It's a, it's a um, little chilly outside, but I pray that it'll warm up in your heart as we open God's word. Um, I've started this series last week. Uh, called First Place, and, and what we l- discovered last week is that uh, God wants Jesus to be first place in our hearts. That's not difficult to understand, but sometimes it's difficult to do. We searched the scriptures and saw that Jesus was a good man. He knew how to, to have a good time, but that's not enough for it to make us want to make him first place in our hearts. We also saw that he's a good leader, but that's not even enough to make him first place in our heart. What, what is enough to make us to compel us through faith to make Jesus first place in our hearts is the fact that Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus made a way for us to be reconciled to God. And this is the gospel that we preach. And so here we are today, and we're going to start out in the book of Ephesians as we are thinking about how to have an incredible year. Raise your hand if you want to have a great year this year. All right, most of you do. Raise your hand if you do not want to have a good year this year. Yeah, all right, a couple of you do. Our special prayer team will be surrounding you later. All right, so, so, um, so what I want to talk today about uh, is, is stimulated in my heart and mind as I think about this passage in Ephesians chapter 5 and uh, verses 15 and 17, 15 through 17. Now, just to give you a little bit of context, Paul's writing this fledgling church in Ephesus, and uh, in the first three chapters of Ephesians, he's laid out the gospel. He's basically said, you were dead in your sin, dead in your trespasses, but God, who is rich in mercy, raised you from the dead through Christ to give you new life. You've been saved by faith, through Christ, not because of your works, but because of the good work of God through Christ alone. That's the gospel message. And so in the first three chapters, he lays this out, and starting in chapter 4, he says, so there is a way that we ought to live. We ought to walk in a manner worthy of this calling to which we have been called through Christ, which is pretty incredible. Well, we get to chapter 5, and he's continuing in this idea of walking in a certain way. And in the first verse of chapter 5, he's saying, Be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then in verse 3 through 14, he basically says, You shouldn't do these things. But what you must do, starting in verse 15... Is this. Look in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So in 2015, this is where we're going. We're going to set up 
a trajectory or a path. We're going to lay out a path for how we want to walk in 2015. So look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, that's kind of a funny phrase, the days are evil. It doesn't mean to, to give you the sense that you should wake up feeling negative about the day. It means more like the days are fleeting. They escape us. They're unpredictable. Verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then he goes on to list out a few things practically. Do not get drunk with wine and gives some other uh, modes of behavior. But I want you to think about this idea of living every day, making the best use of your time. Look to your neighbor and say, time. That's a weird thing to say to your neighbor. I don't know why I asked you to do it. Um, but I want you to, get to think about this thing that we call time. Chances are good that at some point in your life, you've taken a time management class. Raise your hand if you've ever taken a time management class. Most of you have. If you're employed, your employer wants you to, or maybe in college or graduate school you did. Maybe you've read about time management in a book. It's not difficult to search online and find time management tools. Many of you have tried to manage your time in paper form, or those of you that, that are a little more savvy, maybe electronically. Jeannie and I, uh, to keep up with our busy schedules and our four kids, we, we try to manage our time with a shared Google calendar. Um, and what's amazing about with all of the resources that we have at our disposal regarding time is that it, it, it seems impossible to feel like we have gotten done in a day what we want to do. There are, in every day, 86,400 seconds. In every single day, 86,400 seconds. We know that. Time is a resource that we can predict how much of it we have. Money, that's another conversation. But we know every day we have this set amount of time, and yet many of us, if we were asked to describe our lives with three words, one of them would be busy. Now, to be clear, it is not my intent to give you a full-fledged course on time management. I'm going to share with you a few things that I know you've heard before as we get near the end. But really what I want to do to set you on a course so that this year will be as, as good as it possibly can be for you is for you to think about what it looks like to make Jesus first place when you think about how to spend your time. That's my aim. When you think about how to spend some of the 86,400 seconds you have every single day, what I'm hoping to do is to compel you to prioritize Jesus. Make him first place when you think about how to spend your time. We need all the help we can get, right? Can I get an amen? Psalm Chapter 93, verse 2, the psalmist had the same cry to God. He's, I'm sorry, Psalm 90, 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. So this is what we're asking God. God, teach us to number our days, to think about the time we have on earth so that we can live with wisdom. 
couple things about time. Do you know that God created time in the beginning as described in Genesis chapter 1? God created light and darkness. The Genesis chapter 1 verse 14 says, God spoke and said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, which is how we measure time. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. So God, the being we are worshiping, the being who became a man that we call Jesus, this is the being that created time. And God, although he created it, we live within it, he stands outside of it. God is not bound by time. Psalm 93, 2, your throne is established from old. You are from everlasting. God has existed eternally. So the way that God relates to time is, do you remember back in the day, most of you don't, but back in the day when you took a picture of yourself, although it didn't used to happen as much as it does today, when you took a picture of anything, you would, get, you would take it to you know, Walgreens or Walmart or wherever, and they would give you an envelope, and it'd have some photos in it, but it would also have a little film strip in it. Raise your hand if you remember that. Okay, all right, good. So, so the way that God relates to time, it's as if he looks at all of history like it's a film strip. He can stand back and look at all of history and kind of see it all at once. We live within that linear timeline, but God stands outside of it, and this is why he's God and we are not. So God is not bound by time, uh, and uh, God doesn't think about time in the same way that we do. Peter knew this. He was trying to help those that he was writing to in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, about this. And he says that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. Just trying to give them a sense that God stands outside of time, and uh, he's not bound by it. But God chooses to work within time. He has chosen to set things up so that there are 86,400 seconds in every day that you and I get to manage, get to steward, get to think about how we're going to use. God works within the time of each of our days to work out his good purpose. Now, not everybody that lives within this time continuum is choosing to spend that time to honor God and to live well. Not everybody is, but God has created people to live within time so that they can honor him and worship him and experience what it means to have the peace of life through Jesus Christ that he offers. God is involved in time, although he stands outside of it. And within this time continuum, what God is doing is he's advancing his purposes to raise spiritually dead people from their place of deadness into new life for his glory. So, what we must acknowledge is that time is limited. Look to your neighbor and say, time is limited. (laughs) I know you hate doing it. Just one way I make sure you're awake. Okay, so Psalm 139, verse 16, uh, the psalmist has this beautiful passage about uh, his, his life and being conceived in the womb. And it says in verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. 
It's incredible to think about. The days that you have to spend on this earth, the amount of time you have to live is set. James tells us that our lives and the number of days that we're going to live compared to what's going on in eternity is like a mist. Uh, He says in chapter 4, verse 14, what is your life for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes? I mean, this is a sobering reality. It is. I did a little research and the life expectancy for uh, men of all races is 76.2 years and women is 81.1 years. So take your age or take that, subtract your age and that may be in fact how many years you have left to live. That may be how much time you have left. And I'm not trying to depress anybody. But what I'm trying to do is get you to think more clearly or to to be more passionate about this idea of using your time well and not wasting your time in 2015. May May this be a year where we get to the end of the year and we as a community of faith and as an individuals a part of it will say, we used our time well this year. Thank you, God, for a good year. We want to use it to honor you, and we did. We must make the most of our time. Paul also told the Colossians, like he told the Ephesians, that they ought to use the best, make the best use of their time. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of your time. And do you know that as we think about making the best use of our time, the place to begin is to think about, well, how, I mean, how do we start? How do we organize? Begin to think about organizing our time. Well, the place to start organizing our time is around the person that the Bible organizes its time around, and that's Jesus. Now, I want to be clear here, because what I want you to understand is that for you to have the year that I believe God wants you to have, you must first think about where is Jesus Christ in the priorities of how I'm going to spend my time. The Bible emphasizes Jesus as first place in time. So in the Old Testament, whenever uh, things are talked about, much of it points to a time that a Savior would come. So the Old Testament, and this is what confuses some people whenever they read the Old Testament, because they don't read it correctly. They read it um, and look to answer questions that the Bible does not answer. But, but what we must understand is that the Old Testament pr- primarily is to reveal uh, who is God, what has happened that has caused people to be separated from God, and what's God going to do about it. And the Old Testament is God is going to send a Messiah. He is going to send a Savior, and his name will be Emmanuel. It starts in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, whenever God is pronouncing judgment on uh, serpent representing Satan, and he points to this time that his Savior will come. He says to the serpent, uh, I will put enmity between you and the woman, so between evil and humans, between your offspring and between her offspring, he, the offspring of the woman, shall bruise the head of the evil one, and you shall bruise his heel. And so the evil one shall bruise the heel of Jesus. Now, don't 
get too confused by this, but what I want you to know that this is the first place in the Old Testament that there's a pointing to the time that Jesus would come. We also see prophecies in the Old Testament that organize themselves around the time that Jesus would come or the time of Jesus or the personal work of Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, uh, Isaiah speaks this prophecy. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin, who we know is Mary, will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. We just celebrated this at Christmas. So the Old Testament points to and emphasizes this person, Jesus, in the time that he will come. The New Testament does the same. When Paul's writing to the Galatians, he says that when Jesus came, it was the fullness of time that had come. It says in chapter 4, verse 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So the Bible organizes itself around Jesus when it talks about time. This is so important. When Jesus came onto the earth, he knew this. His sermon went something like this. The time is fulfilled. In other words, my presence, my showing up, the time is fulfilled. The time is now. Focus on me. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So when Jesus was inviting people to himself, he was inviting them to prioritize him as first place in how they thought about their future, how they thought about spending their time. And there will be a time when Jesus returns. So, if the Bible organizes itself around making Jesus first place, and we believe the Bible. I mean, this is a church. I don't know what kind of church you've been a part of or maybe heard about, but this is a church that we believe that the written word, the Bible, reveals the living word, Jesus, which is why every single week we read it, we talk about it, we think about it, we reflect on it, we meditate on it. It guides us, it helps us to see more clearly who Jesus is so that we can know more fully how to honor God with our lives. So because the Bible prioritizes Jesus with respect to how it talks about time, we too want to do that with our lives, right? Absolutely, we should. So, how will you make sure in this new year that your time is not wasted? Here we go, more practically. How will you make sure in the new year that your time is not wasted? Well, first we must stop lying to ourselves and to others. Here's how we lie to ourselves and to others. I'm too busy to do that. That's a lie. I mean, you may not prioritize it enough to do that. You may not value it enough to do that. But you're not too busy to do the things that are important to you. So quit lying to yourself. I mean, just be honest. It's a lie to say, I don't have time to do that. You have time. You have the same amount of time everybody else does. We lie to ourselves by saying things like, well, I don't know where the time went. Well, of course you know where the time went. You just spent it. Think about it where it went. I mean, we say these kinds of things to make ourselves feel better about wasting our time. But I want to tell you that we have a limited amount of time, 86,400 seconds a day in a limited amount of days. How will you spend your time? How do we move forward from here? 
Well, I want to beg you to plead with you to think about spending your time in the way that I hope you're learning to spend your money. And that is to budget it. To tell your time where it's going to go rather than being ruled by this feeling of busyness. You know the way we talk about mission as a church? Here's how we talk about mission. We are inviting busy people to experience the peace of life with Jesus Christ. And it's amazing because this mission statement really resonates with people. Because most people feel really, really busy. I don't know about you, but I feel busy. Married, 15 years, wonderful Glorious years. We have four children. They're getting active. Coaching my daughter's basketball team of third and fourth grade girls. And it's absolute pandemonium. (laughs) I work a full-time job pastoring this church and two part-time jobs to help provide for my family. I mean, I get it. You're busy. I'm busy too. But to say I'm too busy to do this, we can't do that. If you ever hear those words come out of my mouth and say, no, that's a lie. We're never too busy to do the things that are important to us. Which is why we must think about using our time in the way that we should be learning to think about how to use our money, which is to budget it. If you woke up every day and you knew that you had $86,400 in your checking account, and at the end of the day, all of the money unused would be gone, how would you think about spending it? Would you waste it? No. You would think about how you're going to spend that money to get the most out of it. Now, sure, you would take some of that money and spend it on recreation and rest and things that you enjoy. So this isn't just about you working harder and, and, um, and doing more. This is about you not feeling like in this new year that time is escaping you or that you're too busy or you don't feel like you have the right to make excuses as to why Jesus has not been first place in your week or in your day. So think about your schedule in the same way that you think about your budget, and that is to tell your time where it's going to go. So this is an exercise I require of the staff uh, every four months or so, uh, at least couple times a year is I require them to send me their schedule with every hour of every day mapped out, telling me how they're going to spend their time in a week. And it's a really, really thought-provoking kind of exercise. It's something that I try to do every four months. I sit down and I plan, okay, I know I'm going to be sleeping from, it used to be like 11 to, you know, 5, and now it's like 9.30 to, to 5, 5.30. I know I'm going to be sleeping during this time. And if that gets all wonky, then the rest of my day gets wonky. I know that every single morning at 6.45, I'm going to be putting waffles in the toaster oven for one of my kids. I put the breakfast and getting them ready for school with my why? So 6.45 to 7.45, I know every single morning, this is priority for me. Why do I spend time doing that? Because my kids are priority and making sure they get fed and making sure they're feeling good about their day as they begin to go to school. I've chosen to budget my time in that way. I know when I'm going to be doing my Bible reading every morning. I know when I'm going to be working on my sermon every week. I know, and I'm still, this is a fluid document and it does change based on schedules and life. And I get it. So what we ought to do is think about prioritizing. And you know what should be in every one of our days as first place? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what should be in your first place every single day is a time where you pray and read your Bible. That's true. 
And if you say to me, I'm too busy to do that, then you are lying to me and you're lying to yourself. You can do it. Get up and spend some time in God's word. Think about it as your fueling for the day. There are many resources online. What I use is an application on my phone called the Bible app or version. You can go online also and read Bible plans. I use that, and we as a church right now are seven days into a 21-day Daniel fast, and I went on there, and I found a devotional 21-day fast, and I've been reading that, and it's been very, very life-giving to me. So every single morning, what I want to encourage you to do is make Jesus first place in your day. It doesn't have to be the most intense Bible study. It doesn't have to be something where every single day you're, you're moved to make some sort of radical life change. What I'm saying to you is that you ought to make as a discipline, as a routine, first place in your day is a time where you get up, you read your Bible, and if you need help or resources, we certainly can help you with that, and you pray. You pray for the day. You pray for your spouse. You pray for your future spouse. You pray for the girl at the office that you like that you hope you will someday be your spouse, whatever. You know, you pray, and you you ask God to, to help you and to fill you up and to give you strength and to help you think of ways that you can share God's love with other people and all that. All right? We ought also to have on our calendars every single week, Sunday morning, a time to gather with the believers. We ought to make as first place in our week this worship gathering. The average follower of Christ, committed follower of Christ, attends church twice a month. I mean, do the math on that. And what I want to encourage you to do, if you're one of those that goes once a month or twice a month or three, just, just try to prioritize Jesus as first place in your week. Make the gathering with believers a priority and see what happens. See what happens in your heart. You know what you're going to get when you come here. We're going to have worship to God Almighty. We're going to have a time of scriptures. We're going to have a communion time. We're going to have uh, an offering. Um, We're going to have a time of fellowship. You're going to be greeted warmly in this place. You know what you're going to expect. Just prioritize and see what happens in your year. Make it first place. Which is, by the way the statistic about some people only coming a couple times a month is not true of quite a few people in this church because to function as a church, we need people to show up every week to set these things up. I was reminded this morning of how thankful I am for the setup team. As I was driving in the rain and I look out and I see Greg and Albert setting out our signs in the rain and in the cold. So I promise you, If you want to make Jesus first place in your week and the gathering with believers first place in your week, then your heart will be impacted and it will help you have a better year. Also, we believe that if people connect beyond this gathering in a home group, that they're more likely to be discipled, to grow in their faith, and to be encouraged and to stay around. I mean, we like what we do in here, but we don't think it's enough to keep you connected long term. We want you to be connected in a home group, and home groups are available, and there's a place you can sign up for them in the back. When you think about how you're going to spend your time, make Jesus first place in your schedule. 
Make, make him first place, and I promise you, you will not regret it. So when we think about budgeting our time, in addition to that, I, I want to encourage you to think reasonably about how you're going to spend your time. Just a couple practical things that will help you along the way. This isn't a time management seminar, like I said, but these are things that help me and I think will help you. You must be reasonable. You cannot do everything that you could do. So you're going to have to prioritize things and put those on your calendar, and you're going to have to say no to some people. And for some of you, the saying no to some people will be like extended family that always wants you to do stuff that you know you can't do. It's okay. It is okay. When we think about prioritizing our time, we think about making Jesus first place. We, we think about making our family. Our family comes certainly next. And the discipling of our, our closest family members and, and being in community with them and loving them and sharing life with them. And then certainly we think about having to work. And I would include in that family piece our church family. Uh, and then we think about having to work. And then we think about recreation. So as you're thinking about how to spend your time, be reasonable. You cannot do everything that you might even want to do. I know that's the case. And then what's also helpful is when you think about your time and making Jesus first place is to plan daily. Uh, to, to start in the morning, and maybe this is at the end of your devotional time, to just make a plan for the day. What are you go- going to do during the day? What are, and what you're going to do, listen to this will be determined by what you value. If you value uh, Jesus, making him first place in your heart, then you will prioritize Jesus in your schedule. If you value your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend, fiance or whatever, or if you value your friends, then you'll make those people first place. If you value this mission of God to, to make sure that people that don't, have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ get to hear it, then you'll prioritize that in your time and you'll spend time with people that don't know Jesus. If you value um, being able to pay the light bill and being able to have food on your table, then you will prioritize work and working hard so you can earn money. And that's the way that God provides for those things. So plan daily and then assess weekly. Jeannie and I uh, have in the past, and, and we have slipped a little bit just confession, but we are getting back to this idea of like once a week we get together, we make sure that we know what's going on during the week. If I'm traveling or if I'm going to be out late at night or if I'm something going on during the day or we have kids activities. So we get together, we compare our schedules and make sure. And the difference between kind of planning weekly and not planning weekly is truly uh, chaos. So I want to encourage you in making Jesus first place in your time. Now, I want to close with a story um, that's significant, I think, really significant. A couple years ago, around about this time, I shared a sermon similar to this. It wasn't these exact words, but it was compelling people like you to make Jesus first place in your time. And people left, and then our home groups met, and one of the home groups was a group of guys that um, met on a Wednesday morning, I believe. And as a part of that conversation, one of the men in there was really passionate about how, how God had stirred his heart to think about the brevity of his days. And what he didn't know and what we didn't know, that was just three days later, he would be murdered. This is significant for a number of reasons because this person was the first person I met when I moved in the city in view of planting a church. He was the first human being I met. He was the first friend I made. 
He was one of the first people to hear about Jesus and hear the gospel and to believe it and to be baptized. He was baptized, his wife and his oldest son was baptized. And whenever Ash, which was his name, gathered with that small group of men and they were responding to this idea that our days are limited and we want to use them to make Jesus first place. Um, he had no idea that how limited his days would be. I tell you that story because it's a part of the story of our church and many of us still grieve that loss. But it's also a reminder that a sermon like this is very real. So when we think about how to spend our days, and I tell you that we ought to make Jesus first place in our hearts, in our day, and in our week, why would we do anything else? Why in the world would we do anything else? Why in the world would we continue to lie to ourselves and say we're too busy? And some of you are here, and maybe you've never responded in faith to the good news that Jesus died on the cross so that your sin can be forgiven. And you've heard it, you've thought about it, you've considered it, but for whatever reason, it has not, it has not come to a point in your mind, in your heart, where you're like, I'm going to decide to follow Jesus and accept what God did through Christ for me. Why would you wait? Today, let's be a community of faith. And for some of you, maybe new believers in Christ who make Jesus first place and commit to this. And then let's see what happens. Let's see what happens in 2015. God forbid one of us doesn't make it to the next celebration of the end of the year. I'll tell you something about Ash. As much as it has been deeply and hard for me and others to accept the loss of this man, what I do know is Jesus was first place in his heart. He wasn't when I first met him. He was a broken individual. And when I was at his funeral, we had three celebrations, and at each of them, there were hundreds of people. What I wanted people to know, and some of them did not know, because some of them knew the old Ash, was that Jesus was first place in his heart, and it made all the difference for his eternity. I pray that you'll make Jesus first place in your heart, and in your day, and in your week, for the glory of God, and for your enjoyment of him.